All right. Well, I'm Corey. And this is Woody. And this is David. And I am unmasked. And this is the ISOCast. Are we rolling? Are we rolling? Hello? Hello? Hey, guys. Hey, Corey. Hello. What's up? <laughs> What's up in Alabama? Just rolling right along. Um, yeah, just doing our thing here in Alabama. With or without the tide? Are you rolling with the tide or are you rolling against the tide? You know, we're rolling with the tide. Hopefully, they will be able to kick off on time this season. So, fingers crossed. Uh, we're... We're on uh, we're on uh, pins and needles here. When do they kick off? Late Usually? August this year. Okay. Yeah. No. Well, maybe early September. One of the two. But uh, in the fall, yeah. Saturdays in the fall won't be the same without football. How would you feel about uh, just empty stadiums? So they're all tested. They just jump in there. They play. Uh, there's no cheering crowd. It's just just a football game on TV. You know. I don't, I'm not, I wouldn't be a fan of that. I mean, obviously I'd be a fan of the team, but I wouldn't be a fan of, I mean, part of, part of the, part of the allure of college football is the, are the fans and the cheering and the tailgating and the, you know, the yelling at the players and coaches and the chants and stuff. So, um, not having that in the, as background noise, you know, even would Mm -hmm. be, would be really, really hard to, to listen to or watch on TV. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It'd be it strange. Be same. I mean, how would it be for hockey if they didn't have fans in the stadium? I don't know. I, well, it, it sounds I can weird tell you to me. In Montreal, it'd be the same because there aren't any fans in the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to get some hate mail on that one. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Woody, do you have you seen the the baseball that they're doing with the empty stadiums and they've got the cardboard cutouts of people in the in the stands? What? No. Yeah. yeah, Asia's awesome, man. They're just going, right? So they're just testing <laughs> the players and getting them out there and playing. Oh, it's televised. The yeah. Korean Baseball League, right? And I feel like it's Korea, yeah. I'm yeah, not sure. they're playing. No fans. I didn't hear the cardboard cutouts. That's really interesting. But yeah, they're going. It's like um, I've just watched a couple episodes of things. Like I really enjoyed John Oliver. I think he's a pretty funny guy. Mm-hmm. I like his writers. And uh, the, you remember the first like week that they're back and it's just him and there's no audience and how weird it is, right? Because <laughs> it's all written for potentially a crowd, but there's no crowd response. And then like even during the intro, you hear the music and you're used to hearing like applause and stuff in the background and there's nothing. Yeah. It's just super dystopian. So I'm trying to see like an Alabama football game where there's just nothing. In, there's no sounds in the stadium <laughs> except for crunching helmets and whistles. I watched one episode of John Oliver from from home, like his home. And I remember thinking, am I supposed to laugh now? Was that funny? Was it supposed to be funny? It's really bizarre. I know. Watching it. You don't have the cue. You don't have the cue up. You don't, you know, other people tell you to laugh. You don't have that. You don't have the soundtracks. Yeah. Yeah. But college football to me sounds like of all the sports that could do it without fans, that seems to be the easiest one because there's not, not as many games. There's not as many teams. I think it's easy to create that bubble of you, you just test the players and away you go. But like baseball plays 162 games, traveling all over the, the country. How are you going to do that? Zoom. Zoom baseball? <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's the vibe down there in, in Bama though? What's, how's it feeling? Because, you know, 
not to give you a lead for the answer, but you know, we talk to a lot of Americans all the time for work mm -hmm. and Ooh, it's like talking to a different planet. Like there's earth and then there's the United States has been kind of my experience in, in these calls. Mm -hmm. And I'm just trying to get a sense of what it's like on the ground mm -hmm. in Alabama. Yeah. I think Alabama would be leaned more towards the United States than earth. Right. So, um, the vibe is, is that it's like, eh, come on, guys, it's time to get this thing over with and so we can get on with the way life used to be kind of a thing. So um, it's, um, I don't know if people are taking it as seriously as, as probably the rest of the world. Um, you know, you certainly go out to the stores and you have, you know, mid-March, you'd go out to a store and probably maybe 10, 20% of the people had face masks on. Mm -hmm. now, now you go and it's probably... 60 or 70 and so and um so it's the, people have taken up more seriously but at the same time it's that underlying current of hey when is this thing going to stop i mean we need to we need to get back to work i mean alabamians love their food that we want to get to the restaurants um and and so i don't it's one of those things it's like hey if, it, if, if i don't know anybody that has covid then it probably you know then it's not real kind of a thing um, sure. Yeah. So, uh, not to take away from the people that have it and have have suffered from it in the families, but um, it's just not as real here in Alabama. I mean, obviously, we're not heavily populated in the state, but um, it's just not as real. It's and until until it affects somebody that we know personally, then it's probably not going to matter as much if that makes any sense yeah totally i to chime in um everyone who listens to the show and thank you whoever you are knows that i am on this uh ever long hunt for the new condo and when we go to mm. a different region off island it's less dystopian right in montreal it's zombie apocalypse right you drive around there's nobody it's abandoned it's weird all there are are homeless people and cops and then you just get off the island and then it's like, you know, there's traffic and cars and people and you go a little further and, you know, schools are starting to open. So even there, it's, you know, you can see within a 15 minute drive, the, the, the variance, the difference between how people are responding and taking it. Because Montreal is obviously an epicenter. We're the kind of New York of Canada on this thing right now. And it's, it's kind of eerie and scary there. So I, I imagine in a place like Alabama that it's... Um, certainly not business as usual, but I don't know if you, if you feel that palpable gripping fear <laughs> that you can get when you go to like Montreal. No, absolutely not. Um, it's, it's not really a fear at all. I mean, you know, you'll go out and some people that you've known for a long time, you know, you try to shake their hand. It's like, Oh, okay. Well, let me give you a fist bump. I don't even know if I can do that. How about an elbow or a foot tap or something? And, um, so you really don't know who takes it seriously and who doesn't. It's kind of like the, you know, what group are you on? Are you with the masked or the unmasked? You know, it kind of a group. And um, I like that. Yeah. And uh, I'm, you know, I personally, I kind of lean towards the unmasked uh, group. And it's like, hey, look, man, I probably have already had it. I mean, I remember back in January, uh, I got real sick. Well, I say I got real sick, but, you know, I went through this coughing spell and I thought I had the flu. Um, and for about 10, 10 days, almost two weeks, I finally went to the dock in the box and said, it was on a Sunday. I said, I've got something. I, I need to get some steroids or a shot or something. And 
they tested me for the flu and I was negative. And, um, and, and I've heard stories like that around here a lot that, you know, back in late December, early January, people were getting sick and they had no idea what it was because they weren't positive for the flu or anything. So I'm not, I'm not convinced that I haven't already had it, you know, same with my wife, you know, she went through a spell where she was, couldn't taste her food. And, you know, from my understanding is that, you know, that's one of the signs of, uh, testing positive for this is, is pe people not being able to taste their food. And so, and she was fine. She, she got through it. She's tasting her food now and, and she's fine. But we, you know, my point is, is that we might, there are people here that might've already had it and don't even know that they had it because, because it was before, you know, th they put a label to it. Right. Definitely. No, I think we're all playing that game now. I mean, we're all, I'm, I'm, myself, I'm thinking of, oh, I was, I felt kind of sick in January, maybe, maybe in February. Like, we'll, we'll never, I guess, unless they develop this kind of test, we'll never know if retroactively, if we had it or not. It's kind of an interesting concept for sure. Well, I, I came to visit you in Toronto and I came back and I was mm -hmm. wiped out for two days. And it was, there was a moment when I woke up in the night with the fever because I just kept checking my fever and it's like shortness of breath started getting intense. And I'm like, well, shoot, this could be right. And I was debating, I was actually looking on the, you know, the Quebec healthcare website to see what in under what circumstances should I go see a doctor, right? Mm -hmm. So I waited until my fever kind of broke and started going down. I'm like, okay, I, I think I'm better. Long story short um, is, we'll just cut all that out, that I'm one of the people walking around earth going, Man, I think I had it. I think I had it. And everyone's exactly like you said, Gregerson, everyone's got the same stories. Like I had it too. I'm pretty sure I had it. My wife had it. My friend had it. And it's like, we might have. Mm -hmm. We we certainly might have. It'd be cool if there was a an accurate antibody test that said, "Yeah, mm -hmm. you had this puppy." Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that would be good. Um, that way, we can get on with our lives maybe a little bit faster than somebody that hasn't had it already. Depending on how long the antibody lasts, right? <laughs> and if it actually does anything for you, if you can get reinfected, then square one. Well, we've talked about this, Corey, in other episodes. I think this is the big thing with this is it's completely new and we really don't know any of these answers you know can someone get it again maybe they don't know right right will an antibody antibody last for a long time we don't know is a vaccine possible we don't know so i think that's obviously what makes people you know nervous is just there's there aren't these answers yet so and it, the big it's been a big transition because i remember you know talking about taking it seriously or not even here i remember two days before basically like in March, two days before everything got shut down, essentially on, on sports radio, they were talking about um, what, what chances there were that the NHL would cancel one game due to COVID. Right. And they were all saying, Oh, probably like 10%, 15% chance that one game would be canceled. And then like two days later, Rudy Gobert of, of the Utah jazz tested positive and obviously everything else spiraled from that so even here i mean before this no one was really taking it with that kind of seriousness yeah i mean now the conversations like around the nba are will there be a season you know and the commissioner said i'm sure there will mm -hmm. be but you know there again there's no answer to that that's kind of the that's the answer one needs to give in that position right, <laughs> right. you can't be the nba commissioner and say it ain't happening everybody you can't do that <laughs> Uh, and then all of a sudden it does happen. You, you got to go the other way. It's like, I anticipate it'll happen and then it's easier to pull back. My opinion. I don't know. Yeah. No, totally. I don't, I don't see how they, well, I, as a sports fan, I hope it happens in, in some way. I'm with you, Gregerson. I wouldn't really want to watch without fans, but I think I'd want to watch mm -hmm. that then watch nothing. Mm -hmm. I, as a concert goer, 
hope that, um, mm. you know, we get to that place at some point soon. You know, I, I just, I, it's amazing. I don't know about you, but for me, I, I'm realizing how much as even an introvert, I do like the opportunity to get around people right? and, and not look sure. at them like they're yeah. infected, right? Just, just be a <laughs> yeah. social animal again. Uh, when you take it away for eight weeks, I think it's been maybe eight, nine weeks or something like that. It starts getting weird. Like, I, I don't know if you guys caught yourselves. I, I'm driving down the road and I see two people that are close together and I'm immediately like, oh, they're too close. <laughs> yep. Or I'm oh, thinking yeah. I'm watching the neighbors going, who's that? Who's visiting over there? You know, and maybe I'm at that part of the paranoia curve, but I, I can't speak to your experiences. I'm curious though. I'm getting tired of the, the what I call the COVID tango. Whereas, <laughs> you know, you come around the corner and then there's someone there and you kind of, you jump back from each other because, mm. oh, we're too close. But it's a really inhumane reaction <laughs> to be jumping away from other people like that. Let me ask you this. At what point would you feel comfortable going to a concert? At what point would you feel comfortable going to a sporting event? I mean, you know, we're, we're not doing those things because the government and these officials, and I'm doing air quotes right now, are saying, you know, you don't do this. We're shutting this down. You just, it's not safe. You know, these same people say, okay, it's safe now. You can go back. Are you going to feel safe at that point? Or is, is there something else that needs to happen that you're going to feel comfortable going to these in, in public like that. I'll feel that one. I, I would feel comfortable when there's effective treatment or a vaccine. That, that, those are the two circumstances under which I'm like, yeah, if the government says go back, it's cool. I, I'd be, yeah, for sure. If the government says go back, we're going to hold and we're just going to bear the brunt of this thing. Let's just do it. I'm like, I ain't going out there. I'm, I'm good. You guys, you figure it yeah, out. Yeah, I don't, it's a good question. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm kind of with Corey only because I think what we've, what seems to be out there is, you know, you want to go and have dinner with your parents and you want to go and eat with people who are in these vulnerable demographics. And if I went to a concert, I wouldn't feel comfortable then going to my parents for, for dinner on, on the weekend. So I think that that pretty much gives my answer. Yeah. I got it. I don't know. I don't want to kill my mom. <laughs> that's, that's really kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, that makes sense. But this changes every day. I mean, there could be tomorrow, there could be a new study that says what we thought was true isn't anymore. So it's it's tough. Well, that's the novel part of it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how how are you guys coping though? Just the day to day, you know. In um, everyone's got their word: quarantine, self isolation, social distancing, <laughs> lockdown, quarantine. I don't know what you guys call it in Alabama. I think it's shelter in place in a lot of the U.S. states. Mm-hmm. Even in Quebec, I think we have a, a special term for it now. Uh, how are you coping, Gregerson? You know, you you would think that it would it would be hard, but it's actually just had the exact opposite. It's been really, really easy. I mean, I'm an introvert as well. And so um, I have, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to where I'm able to work out of the house anyway. So that part's really not a hard transition. The, the, the toughest part is now that, that we have three teenagers and they're all at home and they're all trying to do their schoolwork at home. We're fighting over computers. We're fighting over who can be at closest to the internet because we have Zoom calls and we, you know, so we're, we're like, we're doing like musical offices now in the house to work, you know, and, and stuff. And so it, it's, it, that's, that part's a little bit different, but, um, but surprisingly it's gotten, it's really, really good. I mean, um, you would think, Oh goodness, all these people at home, we're going to just tear each other apart and tear our head, you know, and tear at each other. But it, it's, it's, it's not, we we're actually have come to a point where we've slowed down. 
We are eating meals together at a table together. We are actually speaking to each other because we have time to do that. You know, whereas in the past, we have to go to this ball game because I have two cheerleaders and we have to go to that ball game. And then we have this practice and then we have to go to so-and-so's birthday party. And then we got, you know, somebody's inviting us over to dinner and then we got people coming over to our house and it's constant. Every day we have something going on that we're constantly moving, 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 moving. And now we're all at home. And, you know, again, being the introvert, it's kind of feels really good to me. I mean, I'm really enjoying being at home. And on top of that, it's kind of like getting to know your family again. We're actually slowing down, having conversations with each other. How are you doing? What's going on in your life? You know, um, how, how do you, how does that make you feel? Those kind of conversations. And I feel like we've actually become closer as a family. So you know, some some people go, said, oh, goodness, you know, we're going to have so many divorces in the next several months because everybody's going to uh, force to stay at home with each other. And But it's just the opposite for, for us. We're, we're actually really enjoying our time together. That's amazing. How are you doing with the uh, the homework help? Uh, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's, uh, that's my wife. If, if, if the kids need any help, that's going to be my wife. But um uh, we have we have one that may need a little help, but the others are pretty responsible. Self sufficient, self sufficient. They they take care of themselves. That's good. I have no idea what their school schedule is. You know, when they have to get on a Zoom, I know five minutes before they have to get on Zoom because I get kicked out of my office. Right. Uh, that's it. Are you guys resuming classes this this year? Do you think, or do you think that's kind of it for for twenty twenty? No, I mean, as far as the school year, I mean, we were going to be done uh, the end of May anyway. Okay. Um, so, um, what is that, two weeks from now? So they're not going back to school. The question is, are we going to start on time next year? And as of right now, I will tell you that the feeling here is like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why not. You know, I mean, I think last week the the governor here in Alabama I did like a stage two of reopening things, which means, you know, restaurants are going to be open, but they can only be half capacity. Uh, other retail stores can be open, but they can be half capacity uh, at any one time. Um, and so things are slowly getting back to um, that feeling of what it used to be a couple of months ago. Um, so, you know, I would, if that, if that trend keeps, then I would say, you know, school will start back on time and, Fingers crossed, you know, football seasons start on time and all the sporting events will start on time and then life will go on. But who knows? I mean, you hear about talks about second wave and you hear mm -hmm. about, you know, uh, you know, like you said, Corey, you know, United States is singing out of a different songbook than the rest of the world. That could very well be true. Um, and, if, and if we are, then we're in for a rude awakening um, that, that we may be isolated for a lot longer than, than we wanted to be. Is Alabama isolated from like if you if Alabama reopens, quote unquote, can you do that at a state level where I know there's not physical borders, but where you can just kind of isolate the state instead of communities and, and little towns? Yeah, that'd be really hard. Like you said, there's really no border here. You know, we're not going to build a wall and make Tennessee pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, you could, though. <laughs> we could. Good. Um, but um, so that, that would be tough. I mean, uh, we got, we have, you know, interstates running in and out of the state. We, we really can't quarantine the state so much. 
Um, but I'll, I'll say, I mean, I've heard, you know, there's different counties around us and especially counties in Georgia when they were, were self-quarantined um, or had the stay-at-home order that the sheriff departments and the deputies were pulling people over and saying, hey, you're not from here. What's, what's your business in this county? And if you can't, you know, if you're not saying, hey, I'm going to the, you know, I'm, I'm an essential or if you can't prove that, they'll tell you to turn around and go back the other way. So I guess, I guess you can probably um, regulate that more on a county level, I would, I would say, than, than, than a state level. I think it would be easier on a county level. Am I the only one who's, I don't know, it's 7 billion people, probably not, who's looking forward to a, sort of a brave new world on the other side of this? You know, like sometimes I feel that the things that are going to go away um, probably probably should go away anyway. You know, <laughs> some some stuff that is like, yeah, I think this things that run its course, it's probably good that it closes and never reopens again. And, and on the other end of it, we, we come out with a, maybe this is just dystopian, Corey, because I'm in that mood at the moment. But maybe maybe it comes out, you know, after the zombie apocalypse, uh, we've we've had the Hunger Games, we've done our purge and, uh, you know, we can start a, a fresh planet with some some good ideas and uh, and less uh, steak shacks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's optional. I think that is what's happening. So that perspective is a good one because you either get on board with it or you don't. Cause I think there's, that's, that is what's going to happen. Cause I'm thinking about movie theaters. All right. Generally speaking, you know, AMC looks like they're going to go under, um, mm -hmm. Cineplex is probably next. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of this that's going to happen, but I, I can't speak for you guys. The last couple of times I've gone to a movie, it, the experience pretty much sucks. Like it's pretty crappy. They, you know, but there are some theaters that are like really awesome. They've got couch seating and food service and drinks and like a pre-show. And it's like a thing that you go and it's fun. Um, I'm not discounting the shared experience, but there's a point where it's like, you know, maybe theaters uh, have always sucked and this is the death nail to, to a sucky experience, right? I mean, it could be. I, I mean, it's, I can speak for me locally. The theaters here is, is um, they really haven't changed the way they've done business since I was a kid. You know, you go in, you pay for your ticket, go to the concession stand, get your popcorn and Coke and go sit down. Um, that hasn't changed. So if... Um, you know, of course, we didn't have Netflix 30 years ago either, and we didn't have on-demand movies. So, you know, it might we might come out of this with a whole different, like you said, a whole different industry, a whole different way of, of thinking. A whole, you know, um, that's the question I was going to ask you guys: is what do you think is what new industries do you think are going to pop up from this, or what young industries are really going to take off from this? Um, because like you said, Corey, you know, movie theaters are going to die. I mean, you know, there's, I think I'd read somewhere that they're asking, they're all getting together and asking for a bailout um, mm. from the government because um, they're, they're, they're hurting right now. You know, I've, uh, I've never been to a drive-in movie. I've never been to one. And this is what we're talking about movies. They're talking about, obviously, that makes sense with the distancing and everything. And maybe that's something that, that gets revived fashion styles come back so to speak so maybe we'll see some things that went out of fashion in the past due to whatever reason but a drive-in movie it might not be a question of a new business but one that went out of style and might just come back again i think people like experiences now that seems to be the thing a drive-in movie is an experience that people younger people have never experienced so that could be one 
well, the, the savior for the movie industry was always what's called day and date, right? So the movie comes out and you can only see it in the theaters for a period of time. But now as we're all self-isolated, the um, production companies are going, well, there's no reason not to do day and date now releases, you know, for, to the public online and on demand. So you can, you can pay your 20 bucks for your ticket and watch your Star Wars as soon as it comes out. But, you know, it's the theaters that have always pushed back and said, you can't do that. You'll put us out of business, right? It's like, well, you're, you know, so what are you going to do? You're out, you're out of business already. Uh, I saw drive-in concerts being conducted now in, um, in Europe. So they have this very elevated stage. You go in, you tune in on the app or on a radio frequency, and you sit in your car and you watch the concert, right? So I, I think we're seeing the kind of the kludge solutions to the problems. Like they're trying to fix an old model with kind of a new approach. And I think to answer your question, what I'm excited to see is more like a mental shift where the, the stigma of, oh, you work from home, you don't have an office, you don't have a place like a location. I think that's when this finally ends, where people recognize that it doesn't matter where you're sitting, it's what you're doing while you're there that's important. Uh, so that the change might be more that we're going to see a collapse in the commercial real estate market. Office buildings are going to just disappear because there's not going to be any valid reason to jump on a plane for thousands of dollars and go press palms. It, it, you, look, there's always a point where some things are always best done in person, but maybe not nearly as much. I was saying this to a friend yesterday that... <laughs> Because it seems it's always easy to look in the past with hindsight and say something looks ridiculous. But paying somebody to come into an office from nine o'clock until five o'clock and stare at a computer screen yep. seems ridiculous because you can stare at a computer screen at home all, all you want. So there are certain jobs where you have to go to them, obviously. But if your job is to go into an office, be on a computer for eight hours and then go home, I don't see why that would exist anymore. I wonder if like when you're going through like addiction recovery and you know, you're, you're detoxing, uh, maybe after eight or 10 or 20 weeks of this, those people who were like, you know, jonesing for the office, jonesing for going into work are going to start going, you know what? I'm thinner. I'm more productive. I'm happier. I'm well rested. I, I have more money in my bank account. So I think maybe that's the, the, the holdout of the office junkie. Who's like, you know what, when I look at the long <laughs> throw of this, everything's better for everybody this way. No, I agree. I mean, I can speak for, for our house is, is in the neighborhood that we live in, you're seeing more and more people outside, you know, walking in our neighborhood and, and doing yard work and just, I mean, I didn't realize I've met neighbors I've never even met before since, since, since this has started because people are outside walking and we're doing the same thing. We're walking. We're going to the park. We're taking uh, the dog for a walk and, and and walking. And I'm now running a little bit more. And so you know, we're at, we're you know we're we're health more health conscious. And we're we've we've realized, hey, we don't need to go to the Mexican restaurant and, and order five tacos. <laughs> we, uh, we can eat at home, you know. And and so we're saving money. We're getting we're losing weight. We're becoming more healthy. And so. Um, I, th I think coming out of this, I hope that there is going to be a, mind, a different mindset um, throughout throughout the world. And I know it's going to happen in our house, but I hope I hope it can take off everywhere. What do I do if I'm fatter, less efficient, and poorer? 
<laughs> Are you? <laughs> uh, I'm not. I, I the first, the second two. No, I think I've been pretty uh, efficient. But the the first one a little bit. I've been drinking too much beer. Got the beer belly going on. Oh, I stopped drinking beer. Oh, really? Yeah, almost stopped drinking entirely. Because wow. you know what? It got wow. it got a little out of hand. There was, okay. like, <laughs> there was like, hmm, I have had six beer and the National's not even on yet. You know, it got it got pretty bad. The National. Um, but then there was a moment where I'm like, wait a minute, I'm just not going to go buy more beer. So that's that's the five taco mm-hmm. effect, right? It's like, if you know, if I don't have the tacos at arm's length, I'm not going to eat five of them. So right. maybe right. I'm just obsessing because those tacos sounded really good. No, I've saved tons of money because, yeah, that temptation of coming home from work, again, going back to the office type of thing, is not there. Picking up something on the way home, you don't do that or I don't do that. So mm. the the food saving cost is extreme. It's huge. Gregerson, what do you miss the most? What do I miss the most? You know, uh, after all that talk about me enjoying the family being home and all that stuff, I'll tell you what I miss the most is some silence, <laughs> you know, some, some peace and quiet. Um, it's hard for me to go to a room and just with my own thoughts and, and, and to, and to be quiet. Um, so I, I missed that a little bit, but it's, look, it's not, it's not like it's wearing on me. Um, I tell you the, the biggest, one of the, one of the biggest, uh, um, things I had to, had to overcome is the fact that, the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A is now a quarter of a mile long <laughs> because, because <laughs> it's like, it's like everybody in the, in this city is want to go to Chick-fil-A. Um, and it's like the only place, only place in town that's open, which is not, but it seems like that it is. Um, and, and, you know, you couldn't go into the building to eat and everybody's got to go through the drive-thru. And so the wait to get your food at Chick-fil-A is is you know up to 30 minutes now and i just can't wow i'm pissed off i'm pissed off well i'm i'm losing weight too because every time i drive by something like a mcdonald's i look at that line i'm like "Mm." no and somebody asked me the other day like can i get you anything while i'm out and he said yeah can you get me a cappuccino at mcdonald's i'm like no what (laughs) i don't i don't have 45 (laughs) minutes to bring you a cup of coffee it's not gonna happen right well this is i mean i just think again mental the choices that we make i mean you can you can make coffee at home. Why do you spend five bucks uh, on a Starbucks exactly. coffee? You know, you can make, you could, you have, well, people have time to make those tacos. Maybe you don't usually, but you can, I think choices that we, that we're making are, are drastically changing. And I hope we stick with them. I'm with the silence part. I don't know about you, Woody. Like, do you wake up in the morning sometimes and look at your partner and go, ah, oh, you're, uh, you're still here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I like throw throw three teenagers into the mix and tell me what you think after no that. Thanks. I like the silence. The silence is good. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking about executing the the headband rule again. When we were living in tight quarters and working in tight quarters uh, years ago, we would put on a headband, and that headband indicates I'm thinking, I'm working, I do not mm. want to be disturbed. So you could in peace. Go to the kitchen, make a tea, go back to your desk or be sitting at your desk and be uninterrupted. It was pretty effective. We're just like, uh, we're quiet ninjas. I'm in my quiet samurai ninja mode right now. I'm wearing my headband. At first it's ridiculous, but after that, it's like, this is pretty great. What, uh, what kind of headband? Like, uh, like a, a dodgeball? Dodgeball No, headband? no. For me, it was the, uh, it was the, you know, the waist thing from a bathrobe. Because... <laughs> I wanted to commit before I went and got like a samurai headband with the kamikaze symbol on it or something. Test it out. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm Corey. And this is Woody. And this is David. And I am unmasked. And this is the ISOCast. (laughs) 